Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Big day. It is a big day. There's no way to deny that. I do want to set it up a little bit. I want to set up my story, and I want to set up the story of the event, but I will tell you right out of the gate here because I don't want to waste any time. Today is Paul McCartney Day here. Paul McCartney, a Beatle. One of two Beatles left. I talked to him. Now, it's going to be a bit different than the regular format because this was a live event, and that was the deal. I was asked by, uh, by Paul and his people to uh, moderate a live event with Paul, me and Paul, on stage. It was about 600 people or so, maybe more, I'm not sure, but it was for Capitol Records. It was the fifth annual Capitol Congress where Capitol Records basically takes over the Arclight uh, movie complex over there or a couple of theaters anyways and runs events all day and paul mccartney the beetle was the surprise guest and i was the guy who got to do the talking to him i was able to interview paul but uh, i just want to set you up a little bit so you know what you're getting into it is a live event there was a large audience there paul and i were both aware of that and uh, being entertainers that we are, uh, you know, there was an element of uh, involving the audience in in terms of how we paced our conversation, which happens in a live event. I've not done a live uh, WTF in a long time, and I've only done a, a few one-on-one uh, live events that were later published as podcasts. And, and one of the best ones, really, one of the best podcasts that I've ever done in in, in a lot of ways, and a monumental moment for me was doing this type of thing with uh, Terry Gross uh, several years ago at uh, at BAM in Brooklyn for a radio event, and that turned out to be a great time, as did Paul. Now, obviously, we all love the Beatles, and if you say that you don't love the Beatles, then there's clearly, you know, you really haven't processed it properly or or you're you're taking a stand for something there, there's something fundamentally a little flawed if you can dismiss the beatles uh at all at once hey, you, know, you might say like maybe i didn't like that one album but even that's weird honestly and, and i'm not trying to 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 be judgmental i'm just saying that beatles songs are like they're almost like christmas songs in a way where 
you know, you know, I'm a Jew, but I know most of the Christmas songs, at least the first verse. They're just in your head. They're they're almost biological. Beatles songs in the brain. It's almost biological. They're just they've just, they're all in there. Now, some of us put effort into getting them all in there. Others, they're just in there. You don't even know how they got in there. It's, it's, I, there there's an argument to be made that maybe we're, we're actually born with the raw elements of Beatles songs in our heads. They just, they're ready to gel. It, you know, they're in there when you're born. They just don't have the form. And then, you know, as soon as you hear maybe two notes of any Beatles song, magically, the song just forms itself in your brain at a very early age. Sometimes uh, prenatal, I think, is what, what happens. And then yeah, within the first year, your brain just loads up with most of the Beatles songs. Now, obviously, as an infant, you can't be responsible for, say, Revolution Number no. 9 or some of the more esoteric stuff, perhaps a couple of the bits on uh, a Magical Mystery Tour. But most of the other stuff is in there. You can't sing along with Revolution Number no. 9, really. Number 9, Number 9, Number 9. Number nine, or perhaps, but even the melody of flying on Magical Mystery Tour. Ba, 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 ba. Not a lot of words, but how can you forget that? That's probably the most prenatal Beatles song, is uh, the instrumental flying from, I believe, Magical Mystery Tour. Uh, I, I reacted not unlike I did with President Obama when I was offered the opportunity to talk to him and Paul. I was sort of like, oh man, really? You know, like, I mean, what am I going to, how am I, what am I going to get? You know, I mean, what am I going to, really, how am I going to do that? And it happened again with Paul. It happened with uh, President Obama. He was president and Paul is a, a beetle. Ultimately, I, I, I would think a beetle, probably bigger in, in some ways. Uh, it, it, the Beatles are, the, you know, the president all the time and uh, they're, they're magnanimous and uh, uh, all loving and uh, they, you know, they, they don't govern per se, but they they have governed us through many feelings and emotions and periods in our lives, and they continue to do so for generations and generations. Not going to go away, but uh, I don't need to plug the Beatles. The Beatles really are the they, they and they still for whatever reason are the greatest. They really are. So why, why would I be adverse to uh, to this amazing opportunity to talk to Paul? Let's talk about this event. Brendan told me what was up, that the Paul thing was going to happen. We've been sort of dancing around it for a while, but this live event seemed like the perfect opportunity. And I freaked out. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then I just proceeded to freak out and make myself sick. Because I was sort of like, why? Wait, what am I going to, how am I, what, what, what hasn't he talked about? This is a Beatle that's, you know, he's talked about everything Beatles. He's talked about everything Paul. You know, he's talked about everything. There's no, I'm not going to find a new way in. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like get like what I do here in the garage. I'm not like, I'm making all these excuses to freak myself out. I listen to all the Beatles stuff that I liked. I listened to all the Wing stuff that I liked. I listened to later McCartney. I listened to the new album, Egypt Station. I do that to myself sometimes when I have musical guests that are, you know, have a, a big discography who are prolific. But this is this is McCartney, man. And, you know, it was great to listen to, to some of that solo stuff. Some of it for the first time. It was mind-blowing. But I was still freaking out. And finally, you know, Brendan sort of talked me down. He's like, you know, what what difference does it make, man? What difference does it make? You're, you're, you're talking to a Beatle. You know, I, I mean, this is Paul McCartney. I mean, just go enjoy the conversation with Paul McCartney. He's a, and, and, and I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Who cares what gets uncovered or who cares what's been covered or anything else? I'm going to go hang out with Paul McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney. But I'm still a little weird. I'm still a little weird. I didn't understand why I wasn't more excited. I didn't understand initially why... 
Well, I was still a little freaked out. And then like, I'll, I'll tell you guys this. You know, I don't know that I told Paul in so many words, but, but you know, when you grow up with the Beatles, when you were a Beatles nut and really leaned into them a lot when you were a kid and put all that in your head and had a relationship with the Beatles, uh, you have your Beatle. Yes, people. Uh, I'm 54 years old. So, you know, I had my Beatle and I, I did. And, um, and this was really what was at the core of my anxiety and also my, my weird reaction was uh, my Beatle was, was John. And, um, and I'm surprised that it stuck so long. There, there was part of me that's sort of like, oh, I'm going to interview Paul. But, you know, Paul's Paul. I mean, you know, John was my Beatle. John, man, the raw one, the, the, you know, the tormented one, the, 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 the one that you know, wore his heart on his sleeve, the intense one. I mean, John was my beetle. I mean, I was devastated when John was killed. I was, you know, I'd gone before he was killed. I'd gone at some point when I was younger to just look at the, the Dakota building. I just wanted to run into John in New York City. I just, John was my guy. But that was sort of at it. And once I resolved that, and was like, dude, dude, it's Paul McCartney. I mean, it's Lennon and McCartney. It's like, you know, there's still part of me. It's like, yeah, but John was my guy. It's like, well, shut up and go, you know, go talk to Paul, will you? I mean, come on. It's Paul McCartney. But you have these relationships, <laughs> you know? But it was, it, but once I saw Paul, people become people very quickly for me, especially after doing this for so long, you know, you know, having them over to my house, sitting around with them before and after a talk, taking pictures, you know, having conversations after the, you know, this was not going to happen with Paul. This was Paul McCartney, Sir Paul. So I'm, I'm at the event and uh, we're in a, some holding area and there's other events going on and we're waiting for Paul. He's running late and I've got my notes and, you know, I kind of put some stuff together because I got about an hour with him and in this event, it's about an hour and it's live and, yeah, you want to you, you want to be prepared. You don't want to wing it in a live situation, really. You want to have a place to go. And I'm um, just hanging out. Uh, Sarah's there, Sarah the painter, and uh, you know uh, Paul's publicist. And and then Paul comes. He shows up. He looks great, spry, uh, on top of it, uh, quick. You know, moving around like well groomed. Looks like Paul McCartney. And he's over there and, uh, you know, I put some thought into how I wanted to introduce myself and there's a lot of people around him. And he's like, is there a place we can have some water or get, you know, a, a mirror or something? And I'm, and I'm like, can we get him a mirror? He, I hadn't met him yet. And he didn't. So I just was like already sort of like, can we, uh, can we get the Paul needs a water or whatever? Like, and there was a lot of people around. And he just, I think in that moment, assumed I was somebody working at the event. I said, hi, I'm Mark Marin. I'm, I'm going to be interviewing. He's like, oh, you know, you're the guy, you know. And, uh, you know, I don't claim to do it, Paul. I don't do any real impressions. But and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, uh, my big plan was that um, this is what I said to Paul. The first thing I said to him is, like, yeah, I'm real excited about this. But I was told that uh, that the Beatles are off limits. Is that true? And he went, uh, you know, but it was like a, one of those laughs. Where I, All right, smart ass. But I got a laugh. Got a laugh out of Paul right there. First line in. And that was good. It was a nice icebreaker. We talked a little bit. Uh, he, you know, not about anything. And we just, we, we went right to the side door and I said, it's going to be great. And he told me which, where he wanted to sit. He wanted to sit on the stage right. So I sat on stage left and, you know, I went out there and I just introduced him. Place went crazy, sat down and we had the talk. Me and Paul McCartney had the talk. So now I take you 
to the fifth annual Capitol Congress for Capitol Records event to a live uh, conversation I had with Sir Paul McCartney of uh, of Wings fame and uh, the Beatles, man, the Beatles. And also, he's got this new album, Egypt Station, comes out tomorrow, September 7th. Get it wherever you get music. Okay, the Paul McCartney and me now. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts Ow. Paul McCartney ladies and gentlemen come on out thank you thank you very much Woo! Ooh, ooh. <sighs> nice to see you Nice to see you, Mark. Sir Paul McCartney. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, now, being a knight, yeah. What what does that enable you to do? Like, can you go to the British Museum and take out armor? Uh, no, but I can drive a herd of sheep through the city of London. That really? That, yeah. <laughs> that's a real thing. Well, what it is? They give you the freedom. It's slightly different. They give yeah. you the freedom of the city. Yeah. And uh, my daughter, Stella, said, what, what is it? Did you get anything? I said, oh, I don't know. I've got to think. I don't know. So she looked it up. Yeah. And she said, yeah, it is. I am entitled to drive a flock of sheep through the city of London. I'm surprised Capital didn't think of that for a publicity thing. <laughs> this time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, another question I have, because, uh, you know, I've talked to... Um, I, I, t- I talked to Keith Richards not too long ago, and, uh, and, I, and I read in the book that you guys hung out a bit, and, and I was thinking that maybe we need a dark knight. Is there any way we can sort of rally to get Keith Richards a knighthood? Yeah, I think he deserves one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you still hang out with that guy? Uh, no, that, that was the last time that he was talking about we were on holiday in the Turks and Caicos. Yeah. And uh, I discovered that he was along the beach. So I used to make the journey after lunch. Yeah. And, uh, well, we had some fun times. Wait, was it tense at first? No. no. I mean, I've known him forever. Right. You know, because we, we started off at the same time and we wrote the first single for them and stuff, you know. So, uh, so we've known each other a long time, but I hadn't seen him for quite a while. Uh-huh. You know, but we'd, our careers had happened and now we suddenly got together. And it was funny, man. It was hilarious. Yeah. We, because the conversation, of course, you know, got to sort of crazy stuff. Yeah, like what? Um, like what? Um, well, we were designing portable 
dog kennels that were inflatable. Huh. So he, it's a pretty good idea, we thought, you know. A lot of, a lot of weed involved. <laughs> what, in the kennels? <laughs> in, the, uh, in the creating of in the it. the creative process, it was required. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, we, we got around to kind of, well, if you had one, you could um, custom make them for like Dalmatians would be polka dot. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty so, good idea. I, I, well, this is an exciting transition for Keith. Um, I think hearing about this, I had no idea that that would be a business idea that he would come up with. And and did you did you follow through or? No. Okay. Good. No. That's probably better off. Now I was surprised that back in the day when you were all in London together, that there, there was a lot of open communication between mm. the Beatles and Stones in terms of, of, of what, you know, who's going to drop what when. Yeah, exactly. Because people thought, you know, the kind of legend grew that it was like great rivalry and everything. Yeah. But it was about the opposite. Oh, really? So like you say, you know, if we had a record coming out August the 28th, we would ring them. Sort of say, have you got anything coming out? Say, yeah, we've got something coming out, you know, August the 17th. We say, okay, we'll put ours back a bit. Really? Yeah, it was was nice. (laughs) And uh, that was a really very friendly scene. I remember um, one evening, I I used to, we used to hang out at each other's places. And I was at, uh, I think Mick was living with Keith at the same time and a few other people. Yeah. Um, And I was was there hanging out and they were at a, a studio doing a recording session, and they came back from the session, and they had an acetate, which is how you used to kind of right. bring your stuff in those days. And it was Ruby Tuesday. Wow. So we stuck it on. It was like, I like that one. Oh, really? So, yeah, you know, so it was, it was, it was that friendly. That's, uh, that's sort of uh, like, uh, well, that changes everything about the way I think about everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a... There was a comic years ago. It was funny because he used to do a, this joke where he'd go like, you know, some kids play cowboys and Indians. I used to play Beatles and Stones. <laughs> and uh, I don't know which ones the Beatles would be. I'm assuming the Indians, but it doesn't matter. Um, it's probably not a politically appropriate joke anymore, but, um, this is but it, nonetheless, it was uh, back in the mark. day. Huh? You've got to be careful these I, days, I baby. Do. I do. Yeah. Do you feel that We yourself? were the cowboys. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. I. I yeah. I, I think that's true. Stealth cowboys. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you see the Stones, is there any part of you that thinks like, ah, I wish I was still uh, kept the band together? Yeah, but unfortunately, two of mine are dead. I know. I know that. I. I know. I. It's not going to be possible. Yeah, I didn't. But no, I, I know what you mean. I know. I know your question. I know. You know, but I mean, just there was a moment there. That's all I'm saying. I, yeah. Yeah. Because like, uh, no, obviously uh, you still tour and everything, and you've got guys you've been playing with for longer than you yeah. played with the Beatles, really. That's true, yeah, that's but, crazy. But is there, a, like, when you see the Stones now, do you, do you, like, I guess my question is, do you, do you think, like, um, wow, uh, uh, they're still doing those songs, but, or do you, do, you, do you think, are you happy for them? Like, I don't know. I, I'm just, yeah, you know, I love the Stones. I've yeah. always loved them, and I've always gone to see the shows through the years. And uh, I saw them not that long ago. And, the Stones. Right? You know, we were yeah. at that old cello thing together. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so we went in a little bit early yeah. and, to catch them. <laughs> and they're great guys, right. you know. I mean, we, we go back a long way. We do, yeah. And um, there was never really rivalry. But to your question, yeah. hey, you're kidding me? It would be fantastic if we had the Beatles together to tour. Yeah. That would be nice. Wouldn't it? Oh, man. I don't think it's going to happen. But, um... 
Do you, do you talk to Ringo at all? No, I never. <laughs> yeah, of course I do. Yeah, because you guys are the only guys that have the memories you have now, right? So yeah, that is sort of what's great about it, you know. And it's uh, and we do, you know, talk about all those memories. Oh, I was at dinner the other few weeks ago in London, and he yeah. was there with his wife Barbara, and we were talking, and everyone was like like very lively intelligent conversation lots of jokes and tom hanks was there with his wife rita how does that happen he's so, just hanging out too yeah, come hanks, on man we hang out with the best okay <laughs> tommy tom and me okay like all right both got something wrong with our fingers <laughs> no um so we were we were talking and it was very scintillating uh, conversation you know it was really sure. nice and while well, i'm sitting across from ringo and i sort of say um wow me and this guy go back a long way and my wife, Nancy, said, is that it? Because, <laughs> you know, they're expecting me to have a punchline round, by the way. But I was just, it hit me. Yeah. It hit me, you know. I said, well, I mean, what I mean is, you know, I was just some kid growing up in Liverpool. Then I got in this group and we went on tour. And um, I'd never roomed with anyone. Yeah. I mean, we didn't go to college. So this was the first time. So I was like in a room with this guy who I scarcely knew, who was Ringo. And so just the, the memories of all of that. I mean, I was just saying at this dinner, I said, he was an insomniac. Yeah, he was. And I could, I could go to sleep. But he was like up all night kind of thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just remembering silly little things like that that weren't particularly funny, but they were cool memories for me. Do you, like how many memories, like you've been... Uh a public person, you know, a famous person for like a long fucking time, man. It's true, man. And do you, do you like, do you have any memories like before? Do you remember the transition where you're like, holy shit, I've got to learn how to do this. Be a famous person. Yeah. You do. I mean, the good thing was that the Beatles didn't really get famous till we were about 20. Yeah. So... I had 20 years in Liverpool before that where I could not get arrested. I couldn't get in a club. I couldn't get a girlfriend. Nothing. Yeah. So it happened right on time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, it was just, it was real life, you yeah. know, and you just did things that people did. You know, you travel by buses and stuff. So uh, Regular people stuff. Normal people. Imagine man. that, you doing that stuff. Come on. And the thing is, you know, I, I actually still do that. That's what I heard. You take the subway sometimes? Yeah. And, and, and does anyone bother People you? People on subways don't look at each other. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I know because they're all in screens these days. Anyway, so they really don't notice me. Yeah. But, uh, Why do you do that? Just to, to test it out? Say, no, maybe, no. Maybe it's I can... actually because I like it. Oh. I've always had this thing, even when we're famous, I've always liked to kind of dip into real life. Yeah. You know, so I will walk to a place or I'll drive myself to a place. So, I listened to uh, the new record, all of it, oh. and I and it's a it's a beautiful record. It's a Paul McCartney record, okay. and I did a lot of research for this conversation. I listened to uh, every Beatles song and every Wing song. I've been up for weeks, um, but when you do a record, because I've talked to like I've talked to like I've talked to Keith, I've talked to people like Roger Waters, Neil Young, and stuff. And when you do a record like e Egypt Station, now do you? Do you think this this is the best work you're doing of your life right now? Or how do you look at it? That's kind of difficult, you know, because I was in the Beatles. Yeah, I know. I'm, ha I'm happy to hear that on some level. So you, 
you at some point had to learn how to compete with yourself and accept that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I do a live show, I do Beatles songs, and I know that's what the audience wants. Yeah. You know, but I like making music. I like writing songs. I like doing it. So I make a new album, and yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do the best album I can make. Um, but in a live concert, as I say, you know, I will say to the audience sometimes, I'll say, uh, we know what you like, you know. We know the songs you like. Yeah. Because, like, if we do an old Beatles song, the place lights up with all your phones. Yeah. So it's like the galaxy, you know, <laughs> stars. So if we do a new one, it's a black hole. <laughs> so we know, you know, you know. But um, I said, well, we're going to do it anyway. And we, and we do them. And you've got to remember, there are a lot of people in the audience who want to hear your new stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I've got kind of quite a range. I've got like a family audience. You've got little kids. Yeah. And they know the words better than I do. To the old songs. To the old songs, yeah. So, uh, what is that? You I don't mind. He, this is a weird thing. Like, my, my producer, he's, he's, he's got a kid who's like nine. And, you know, and, and the kid, he doesn't, no one had to sell him on the Beatles, but, you know, he loves the Beatles immediately. Mm. What, do, do you know, was it in your mind that, like, you know, not only are grown ups going to like this and teenagers, but five year olds are going to love the Beatles? I mean, mm. what is that magic? I mean, can you. It's, it. You know, I asked myself that because it's a very interesting question. Why does it lasted? Because we thought we had 10 years top whack and then it would all just fade out. But it kept going. It kept coming. Kept going. And um, only thing I can think is when I do the old songs, yeah. I find them very memorable. Oh, you know, nice. I can remember all the words like, like that. Yeah. Whereas the new songs, I've got to kind of think about it. I've got to learn them and stuff. Um, I just think we hit some kind of a role. Um, Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, it's just we were so sort of interested in making records and so sort of privileged to make records that we always tried to make the next one better than the last one. And I think in, this, in doing that, the structure of them is always very simple. Yeah. The Beatles things are hardly ever, even the kind of complicated ones, they're sort of simple. They've got a, I don't think there's any extra fat on them. Right, but there, but there are some complicated chords in there. I can't play all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'll teach you later. Thank you. But like the, you created a sort of, like the, the type of pop that you guys were playing and with the chords you were playing was sort of new for the time. The, the, the melodies, may, you may think they're simple. Here I'm telling you, they're not, Paul. They are very <laughs> yeah. complex and we, mystical. Oh. Yeah. Good. <laughs> because like, what do you, when you listen to this stuff, because when I, I listened to uh, the, your first two solo albums uh, recently, like yesterday, I listened to the first, the first Beatles album that I had was the Beatles' second album. Uh, for some reason, I was obsessed with the song Roll Over Beethoven. I was obsessed with Chuck Berry. But do you find that there are people that you respected and looked up to and revered when you were younger whose influence has really kind of moved all the way through all of your music? Yeah, I think so. Like, because yeah. I hear Little Richard, like, still. Little Richard's always there. With right? Me. Yeah. Like uh, he's the, always there. Yeah. And it's the, uh, the little screamy voice. Yeah. Um, that's something I just loved. I love his records, you know, and I, I wanted to do that. So that gave me uh, a sort of feature thing within the Beatles. Yeah. Because John couldn't do that. And I remember him saying to me, how do you do that? How do you, you do that? I said, I don't know. I said, I feel like it just comes out the top of my head. 
And he was, and then we had a session once where we were early, early days. And I'm going, I'm about to do Kansas City. Yeah. So I'm on the mic, I'm down there. We've done the backing. Now I'm going to do the, uh, the vocal. And John's up in the control room. And I'm going, Kansas City. And I'm not making it. I'm yeah. not getting it at all. Yeah. So John comes down. He says, remember, he says, it comes out the top of your head. <laughs> I said, okay, Kansas City. <laughs> and that was it. And that's the take you hear. <laughs> so those guys, like like you said, you tried to keep doing better records. But were you also like, it seems to me that what you were absorbing as, as a group was it was sort of happening at the time. And you just kind of ran it through the Beatles mill and, and made it your own and, and made it better. Were you always aware of what was going on around you with the bands around you to the point where you were sort of like, yeah, we can we can do that better. Yeah, I think so. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you keep up with what's going on. Yeah. You know, I, I do these days still. Uh, well, just because it's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's not so much like I'm market researching who's doing what. It's just yeah. that I like to hear a new record, you know, so. So you hear the hits and you'd be like, okay, that's what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it, it does uh, inspire you to do something. Sometimes you get a little jealous. So I remember with... Um, the Who, I read once that uh, Townsend yeah. was talking in a newspaper. He said, we've just done the dirtiest, loudest, filthiest record ever. Yeah. I went, whoa, <laughs> we've got to do that. <laughs> and we can get louder and dirtier and filthier. So I go into the studio and say this to the guys, we've got to do this. And that was Helter Skelter. <laughs> that, was, that was the birth of that? It was birth a, of filth. It's... <laughs> It was a big fuck you, Pete Townsend. Yeah, man. <laughs> and I still don't know what track he was talking about. <laughs> oh, boy, was that song misunderstood by scary people. Um, and how? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Mm. Remember it? <laughs> how could I forget it? I mean, you suddenly singled out as being the soundtrack to a murderer. What? And uh, it was pretty scary, yeah. Because, like, you guys, I mean, I guess John got some flack early on with the Jesus comment. How, how did you guys, what was the PR plan around reacting to Manson? Uh, well, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have it. And for years, I wouldn't do that song. Yeah. Just because the connection. Right. You know, it was just too sort of like, I felt like if I did it, it'd be a victory for him, you know? Right. And I thought, no, wait a minute. I wrote it. It's, it's yeah. my record. It's not his. <laughs> Take it back. And he's in jail anyway. <laughs> he's dead now. So, is yeah. he? Yeah, he died. Oh, he did, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, so you can do the whole album again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> What's was there a point, like, you know, in, in the Beatles where you, you just knew you, you won? Yeah. Yeah? Which yeah. album would that be where you're like, we did it. It's all over. Yeah. I mean, it didn't mean we were going to stop. But, it, yeah, you definitely, there was, there was the uh, Beach Boy Beatle yeah. incident. Yeah, like which uh, was like we were kind of on a par, and we were loving what they were doing, and we were stealing. We fought Pet Sound. Oh. We were ste already stealing stuff off them. All that la 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 la. Oh, you like they, that? They did that, and we kind of pulled yeah, that, you right? Know. Uh, but then uh, we did. I think it was Robert Soul, and Brian was like, "Whoa!" And he made Pet Sounds, and we were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> so we made Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. 
So that's interesting. So you, like, that's what I said. You listen to what other people did, and then you kind of put it through the Beatles mill, and then there you go. Yeah. And, and there it is, like, sort of elevated to another place. But during that time, uh, was, were, were, did you have words with Brian Wilson? Um, yeah, I've, I've always talked to Brian. I've been a huge fan. Yeah. You know, so anyone ever asked me, what's your favorite song? Or the news, I say, God only knows, you know, just, it's oh, just yeah. so mystically, magically put together. Um, it's just a brilliant piece, you know? So I've always, he knows I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. And, uh, our birthdays are very similar. I think he's June 16th and I'm 18th or something. We were very close a couple of days. So, um, yeah, no, he knows I love him. Yeah, okay, but so there was no tension between, uh, you know... No. No? No, not really, no. Not at all. Um, no, I remember coming over here, and uh, there was this guy, Derek Taylor, yeah. who was our publicity guy, and he was working in L.A. after he'd left us, and he uh, had something to do with Brian. Yeah. And I remember going over to Derek's house one night and uh, getting a bit stimulated. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and... Uh, so we're, we're loving it. Brian comes over. And he's got these shades on. Yeah. And he's, you know, he was, he, he was, he'd gone into his sort of nervousy phase. Yeah. We, you know, which was, which was. Where are we now with him? I think he's good. He's touring. Good, good. He's, he's good, you know. Nervousy is a nice word. It's a diplomatic you know, word. Yeah. I mean, uh, but anyway, he, he was, he was still a little bit. He had these shades on. He said, oh, do, you, do you mind if I keep these shades on, man? I said, Brian. It's your life, baby. You keep the shades. I love those shades. They look great. Anyways, do you mind if I play you a record? I go, no, that'd be great. And he plays good vibrations. Like you've never heard it before. Yeah. And you're in the room with Brian yeah. and he puts it on. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. That was the first time you heard magic. it. It was magic. Yeah. It was like I was saying, you, Ruby Tuesday. You know, sometimes you get those magic little moments where nobody's heard it yet. Yeah. It's not released. And someone's playing it for you, and it's the creator playing it for you. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. It's a great, great yeah. moment. Yes. Well, speaking of that, I talked to uh, Peter Fondo recently, and uh, he claims that uh, 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 she said, she said that there's a line in there that originated with him. Can you uh, give that? I think brief? so, yeah. Oh, um, good. That's more John's story. Oh, well, we can't um, talk to him. But uh, so we, we, we can't get very that one hard. out. Yeah. No, I, I know um, they were hanging out with Peter and he'd said, I think he'd said, I know what it feels like right, to be to dead. Be dead. And, and John said, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a pretty good line, you know. Yeah. So we, that, that found its way into that song. So, like, right now, like, Beatles songs are being played every day all over the world. There's a part of the human brain, I think, that they have found that's just, just Beatles songs in most people. Mm -hmm. So that, like, do you feel, like, when you're out in the world, like, my girlfriend's dad, I think his spiritual system is based on the Beatles. And, uh, and I think a lot of people are like that. They just have this, you've created this entire universe. Do you feel... What's your responsibility to those people out in the world? Do you feel like when they come up to you, are you're generally nice? Do you feel it's odd to, that people are so immersed in it? Someone told me today that today was the day you walked across Abbey Road. Did you know that? No. Yeah, see? Uh, so you don't have a Google alert on Beatles trivia? <laughs> no. No, I'm the person who knows the least of those. <laughs> well, luckily, a lot of people know them. Yeah. But uh, no, you know what it is? It's... It's not so much a responsibility, but I do feel proud that the whole Beatles output was very positive. 
You know, there, yeah. there was really nothing that was a big downer. There were kind of, you know, sensitive songs, up songs, down songs, and so. Mm -hmm. But the, basically, we're saying, imagine. Oh, that's not Beatles. We were saying, okay, <laughs> <laughs> good record. Saying, though. You uh, like that record? Very good record. Okay. Yeah. You know, what I mean, we were saying "Strawberry Fields Forever." We were saying "Let It Be." We were saying, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, all, sure. it's yeah. all pretty positive stuff. You yeah, know? make it better. Yeah, and I. So, as far as responsibility is concerned, I I feel good about that. Yeah, and uh, no, and I'm also very proud. You know, you got to remember, we were just kids who were nothing. Then mm -hmm. four of us got together, kind of magical combination. How do we get together? I don't know. We just were in different parts of Liverpool. And there was all various little stories that suddenly brought us together. But then um, we went and did this thing. And uh, it, was, it was kind of magical. Yeah. You know, I, but I think that. Yeah. I can look back on it now and think, wow, wait a minute. How did I meet John? Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. But it still is pretty amazing that, that we came together and and did that music and then continued to be interested in it yeah and always wanted to make the next step that nothing else sounds like you guys no it's interesting and you know the thing is so looking back on it as i can now do yeah as if i you know like out of body experience i can look back on it i think you know every single tune was different so if we made, um, you know, From Me to You, then we wanted to make Strawberry Fields. If we made Strawberry Fields, we wanted to make Penny Lane. And so there's no formula. And I figure it was because we were young guys and we would have just got bored to make the same record again. And with so much so that I remember in the studio, we used to say to Ringo, did you use that snare drum on the last song? He'd go, yeah. I said, well, we've got to change it. Get and you know now of course they set up for a whole drum kit and that's pretty much the whole album yeah and maybe one or two changes but we changed like every time and if if he didn't have another snare drum we go okay that's that's it the, that's the rhythm and that would be right that would be the offbeat so the fact that we were like wanting to experiment and we were so interested and so privileged of being allowed this studio time, you know, it's like, um, so every single track just was different. Yeah, I, I know. It, it's insane. I listened to uh, Let It Be twice the other day, um, and I'm, I, I, I can't, uh, who did that riff? You know, yeah, who did that? Who, yeah. who made up that one? Uh, that was John's riff. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. Sorry. I take a pony. It's great. Yeah. It's like it, like that whole album. Every, I don't so, mind that he made that up. No, I know. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know why I'm getting personal about. Yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm glad you don't mind. It would be <laughs> uncomfortable if you yeah. would be like, "I've had Mark, enough of this." Please Lennon don't mention John. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's a great riff, you know, and that, that was a great song. That's probably one of the secrets, and it never got boring. Do you think that, like, whatever happened, you know, at the end of that uh, of that band? Is uh, do you feel ever looking back on it that you guys had done everything you could that you'd pushed it out as far as you could go creatively and it might have been the best thing? Well, we felt like that at the time, yeah. and that's why it ended. You know, we felt we've come full circle. We actually use that expression, full circle. Mm -hmm. um, but when you look at what we did after it, yeah, it could have could have worked. 
Yeah. You know, like John's track might have been Imagine. Yeah. You know, and I might have had Live and Let Die. Yeah. And, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, they, they certainly. So you think they, about that. Yeah, I think so. But, I mean, you can't do what ifs. No, of course not. You know, I, I, I can never do that. People say, what if the Beatles were still like, wow. I said, well, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And I wish it were possible, but it isn't, you know. So like when my kids were growing up, they say, well, what if we did it? And I used to say, well, what if a television just fell on my head right now? Sure. So, yeah. I mean, oh, <laughs> holy cow. So, I mean, you can't yeah, do no, that. Right. You know, it's, it's just, it just doesn't work. But it also, when you start your first two albums, which were like, I mean, they're, they're amazing records because they're exactly what you talk about. Like, they're, they're just like, they're pieces that don't necessarily come together. They're all different. They're, you did them all. Like, and, and critically, it, it wasn't like received, you know, tremendously well, but it seems like you were fairly prescient in, you know, just sort of that lo-fi sort of thing, which is very popular now. Like, the whole model yeah. of that record has, has sort of like taken off with a certain element of uh, yeah. alternative music. You know, that's one of the great things is that you go through these critically damning periods, yeah. which I did after the Beatles. It was kind of, kind of had to happen. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like, well, he's not as good as the Beatles. What, that was like an easy thing to say, you know. And believe me, I was aware of it. It was like, holy cow, how am I going to follow that? But um, what's happening, as you say, is I get a lot of people now saying, oh, man, do you know my favorite record? Ram. Right. And I heard it the other day. Yeah. I'm going, it's not bad. That's, it's, it's, a, it's kind of kind of very sort of modern. Yeah. Crazy. Who, like who, who are those kind of people? Are they young people? Like, cause yeah. I, I think you sort of like uh, those early McCartney records have been discovered by the sort of the hipster crew. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of like, you know, taking chances and, and uh, with recording a little bit, yeah. a, a little rougher, but also yeah. just, uh, you know, not being beholden to a, to a, a, a particular structure. Yeah. Uh, that's true and I mean it's great for me because you know when you get criticized so badly it's like uh, you know, it affects you. you you try not to let it affect you and you tell everyone it doesn't yeah. affect you but somewhere you go uh, you know th that one didn't quite work but um, did you ever get to a place where you're like you know like just you know en enough with the Beatles <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. When I first went out on tour with Wings, yeah. every promoter said, you're going to do Beatles stuff? I said, no, I'm not going to do any. Yeah. And then gradually, once I felt we'd established Wings, I felt good about it. So then I started creeping back in Beatles things, you know, like and now were, I don't care. Yeah. What were the first ones? What was it like when you said, like, let's do a Beatles song? Yeah. Which one did you pick? Well, they picked it. It was Yesterday. Oh, yeah. Everyone kind of wanted me to do yesterday. So you just go out there by no, yourself? No, no. You know, the worst thing, though, about yesterday was yeah. um, w this happened to us all, of course. And John's in New York, and now the, Be the Beatles have broken up. And John walks into, like, a, a bar, yeah. and the bar pianist sees him and goes, do, 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 <laughs> do, 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 and he's gone, fuck you. Yeah. It's not my song. Yeah. That was the one, huh? That, that had, it had to be that one, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it is a cool thing that, uh, as you say, the generational thing. I remember being with a guy once and I was going on a bit about Sergeant Pepper. Uh -huh. I said, well, you know, it's great. And assuming he'd like me to give him a bit of history, you yeah. know, one-on-one. -on -one. Uh -huh. So, well, Sergeant Pepper, and he said, well, I've got to, I'm sorry, man, I've got to admit, he said, Band on the Run was my Sergeant Pepper. It was just a generational thing. Sure. That was the record that he thought was... That was a great record. Well, 
I don't know if you Wouldn't knew that. I, the, um, the band on the run record, like I had when I was very young, and for some reason I just thought that Picasso's last words was like, like the greatest song I ever heard as a child. Like, you know, Drink to Me. Drink. Yeah, I just, and then uh, 1985 is on there. Like, I'm not going to just do a Chris Farley here, but when, <laughs> when, when you did that one, like when, was that for you, the, did that really make the, was that the best the Wings were? It was on that record, you think? Yeah, I think so. At the time it was, yeah. Because we, you know, we we did a crazy thing with Wings because I'd finished with the Beatles and I had then now the the uh, question of what am I going to do now? Yeah. So the first thing I did was the McCartney record, which was literally just me plugging into the back of a Studer four track and just recording anything came out. Um, after that, then I started to get a little bit more uh, sophisticated. But um, yeah, you know, it, it is good that nowadays. The, the it's come round, yeah. You know, and people seem to think that uh, what we did then is good. But it's it's interesting too, too, because with all the experimentation you did, which I think it was, like certainly with the the mm. McCartney record and, yeah. and Ram, and and even like you know some of the earlier Wing stuff, Wildlife, right? Is that what that yeah. was called? Like you know, it was you know it was kind of all over the place, and you were taking chances. That yeah. all the way through it, you're making hits. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. about a dozen or so Wings hits. So, like, did you know when you were recording those records? Were you like, you know, like, well, this one's this one's the hit, and that's going to sell the record, and the rest we can just you know fuck around with and have a good time. I mean, I didn't always know that. Yeah. It's, it's not everyone in in bands they don't always know which the hit is. Yeah. You can make a hit. Sometimes you just think, oh, it's okay. Um, Get back was one with the Beatles for me. I didn't reckon it at all. No. I just thought it was doom, 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 boring. Yeah. Um, I thought it was just a sort of jam. Yeah. I remember somebody when they first heard it. Oh, I love this greatest record. Yeah. Go, oh, okay. And I got with it, you know. Yeah. But um, well, that could have been the times changing too. That you know maybe uh, the sort of elaborate pop thing was you know changing into something a little yeah. harder and just uh, you know maybe people were kind of getting a little. Uh, less able to uh, process uh, pop and just like get back. That's I got it. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Perfect. Nailed it. Um, well, band on the run. When I when I did that, we released it and it came out. And it did okay, and then it was doing this little thing of dropping back down the charts. And I thought, well, that's it, you know. But I got a call from uh, Al Corey of Capital, who was like a real red hot promotion guy. Yeah. And he got my number. He said, Paul, Paul, I've got to tell you, you've got to let me work this record. I said, well, what do you mean? I said, it's done, isn't it? No, no, there's no way. He said, you've got singles on there you haven't released. So it's going to go back up. I'm going to take you right back up to number one. And I said, well, uh, talk to me, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he said, Jet, you haven't got that. So he, he, he named that. I yeah. spotted that. Bad on the run itself. You've got to do it. Yeah. So sometimes it takes other people. Uh, to to tell you what, what's good was let me roll it on that too. Yeah. Oh man, but like that that kind of that record industry doesn't you know and it, it's very exciting that we're here at Capital and you've been yeah. there so long. This is your first record on Capital in, in a long time, right? Yeah. Now, but that record industry, that guy making that call, does that still exist today? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, we had uh, a meeting when I was playing the guys this Egypt Station and uh, Egypt Station, yeah, and. Um, there was one of the guys. He and they always kind of pointed to him. He's he's the guy. Yeah. So they still you still got them. <laughs> you still got it, Capital. 
What is the story about the uh, the band on the run? Where'd you record that? Uh, Lagos, yeah, in Nigeria. Yeah, what was why? Okay, I don't know if you remember, but at the time it was kind of fashionable for people not to record in their normal studios. So people were going places to record uh, Stones, who was tax reasons, but they were in the south of France. Right. Okay. But it was tax reasons. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? Yeah. So you, people were in different um, locations. You could have went to Nashville. Uh, you could have. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Actually, for one of them, yeah. But I, I just wanted to sort of get out of there and just... Uh, so I asked EMI. Yeah. Where they had studios, I knew they had a lot around the world, and this great big list arrives. So I'm getting the choice of China, mm. Rio, mm. Um, Lagos. Ah, that was the one. Got to do it. You know, African music. It could be great, um, and it was great. But uh, they hadn't finished building the studio. Uh huh. You know, it was really basic. But uh, the the vibe was great. I was I was kind of pleased to be in Africa. But it was a crazy time. Yeah, it didn't. I didn't just go to the studio and make a record. Yeah, there's so many crazy little things. You know, Fela Kuti. Yeah, um, he was there. And when I arrived, first thing I see in the newspaper is uh, Paul McCartney comes to steal Black Man's music. <laughs> I go, oh. God, you know, yeah. see if I haven't got enough problems. So I get his number and I ring him. I say, fella, hello, Paul McCartney here. I hear you've said in the newspaper that I'm coming to see you. I said, I'm not. Yeah, you know, you're coming over, I'm stealing back. I said, no, I'm not. I said, come over to the studio and I'll play you a couple of the things we're doing. And you'll see, it's nothing like what you're doing. And we're not going to, it's it basically all songs I'd written outside. Africa, sure. Anyway. So he came over with like 30 wives. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and a studio full of ganja. Yeah. Man. I mean, he was one wild cat. He used to have a bottle of whiskey in which was marinated a pound of pot <laughs> and a whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was, you know, we turned out to be real good friends and... Um, he got it. He, he said, no, you're not, you're not doing that. Was that when Ginger Baker was down there? Was yeah. Oh. Ginger was his big friend, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you the story. Here. Okay. <laughs> okay, now you brought Ginger up. <laughs> um, we're going out. A fella invites us to his club, which yeah. is outside Lagos. Um, and it's called the African Shrine. And so we go, yeah, okay. So there's just a few of us. Uh, little white people. I think about me, Linda, a couple of friends. And uh, so we go out there. But I say, look, the thing is, let's not smoke any pot. Because it's pretty crazy. And we're out in the jungle. And it's pitch black. And you know, when they talk about the African experience, uh, this was it. So I'm going, okay, everyone will agree. We're not going to smoke anything. So we're sitting there with fella. Hey, man, what's going? Great. You know, the love is great. You know, can't wait to hear the music. And this guy comes up. He's crouching. He's one of fella's guys. Yeah. And he's got a packet of Rothman cigarettes. Yeah. And they're all joints. So he says, you want one of these? I go, no, thanks, man. It's cool. It's cool. And I carry on. Well, then the guy carries on round and he gets the ginger baker. Yeah. And Ginger goes, yeah, man, yeah, sure. And he's lighting up. And fella goes, 
Ginger Baker, the only man I know, never refuse a smoke. <laughs> like a, aha. Yeah. Okay, I'll have one of those. Yeah. Man, I've tripped out. Yeah. Ah. I mean, it was so strong. I mean, it was stronger than anything I'd ever had. I don't know if there's something in it. But, it's a good night. You know what? In the end, it was a good night. Yeah, drugs can go either way. <laughs> you know that? I do know that. You have yeah. experience, do sure. you? Sure. Sometimes the faces get evil, and then you got to wait it out. <laughs> and didn't the, like, didn't the tapes of the record get stolen? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd put them all on a cassette, which is the way you used to demo. And I had all the songs written. They were all nicely ready to go. Yeah. I would look at each one and, and then make the record. Right. And, um, oh, God. I mean, like I say, it wasn't, we, it wasn't just an ordinary trip to Lagos. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. So much so that when we got back, I got a letter from EMI saying, under no circumstances go to Lagos. There's been an outbreak of cholera. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, and that's the kind of place we were in, you know. But uh, they, when we were there, they said, um, there's this area, which is like, um, like a gated community where all the sort of white people live, and we've been invited to dinner there. And they said, whatever you do, don't walk back to your place. We had it like in another place. So, of course, what do we do? We walk back. Yeah. So it's just me and Linda, She's got cameras off her. I've got like tapes and I've got cassettes. And I've got the hot cameras and everything. And, uh, oh God. <laughs> um, so a car, we're walking along and it is black. There's not a lot of street lighting. But we think we know the way. It's because of here and then you go down there, I remember. Um, so we're walking along and a car pulls up with five guys in it. <clears throat> and he winds down the window. Now, I think he wants to give us a lift. So I say, I say, you are just so cool. I say, you want to to give us a lift? I know you do, but we're walking, man. It's great. Thank you very much. Now, just go off you go. Thank you so much. That's so great. And they go for about 100 yards and stopping. You can imagine the conversation. Anyway, boom. He winds down the window again. And he says, are you a traveler? Romany, I think they won't touch you. So I said, yeah, we're travelers. So they go on another 20 yards. And now they've had enough now. So the five of them all get out. And they're going to mug us. One of them's got a little one's got a knife. So we are, ah, no, you're not giving us a lift. Because the other time I said, get back in that car. You're just too cool. Get in. Yeah. I push him in the car. Like, you know, I, yeah. Anyway, now there's five of them around us. And uh, yeah, they were mugging us. And Linda, beautiful, she's screaming, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And they're going, money, 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 camera, camera. So we unload it all. We give them everything, you know. And in that, the cassettes go. For the album. There's my demo, which to me is precious. To them, I bet they re-recorded over it. What is this? You know, rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Get some African stuff going. And uh, so, yeah, they, they took they took everything. And Linda's still screaming. She said, don't touch him. Don't touch him. He's a musician. <laughs> that like, that's going to make some difference. You know, yeah, you African guys, you love musicians. So, you know, let him off. Anyway, they went. And uh, we just, I said, right, we walk fast. 
So but uh, luckily, I remembered it all, so we still could do. And we got to the studio, and these were these were African guys running the studio. And uh, one of the guys, he said, "You're lucky. You're lucky they didn't kill you. Hmm. Said, they figured you wouldn't recognize them again. Hmm. So you were lucky." Well, that was a risky album to make. It sounds like really, man. Honestly. So let's talk about the the, the new record because there's things that you do on it that are sort of a recurring theme that like, I just want to know when it started and what the choices are on that. Like you do at the beginning, sort of like that thing where it's just sort of sound, yeah. it's a station sound. Mm -hmm. And then there's sort of some sound underneath that. And it's just for 45 seconds. And then you begin the, the album proper. And then at the end, the sound comes back and then you kind of mm. guitar into another song. But what are these bookends and what was the, cause you've done that a lot. Like on uh, not a lot. We've done it on Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper. Anything else? Well, like it seems to me that there's bookends on the second McCartney record. Not on Ram. There's like a, a a lick or a repetition of a song, or maybe it's on Wildlife at the end. Yeah. No, you're right. A little repetition of a song. Um, yeah. You know, it just seemed like a good idea at the time. So it's not. There's no big concept in mind where you're like. No, not really. Tie it all together. No. What, what happened is I had this painting with this on the cover. Yeah. That I did quite a while ago. And uh, I was looking at it, and I'd, I'd named it Egypt Station. Right. Um, so I thought, you know, that's quite a good title. Yeah. I quite like that, as just as a title. So and it's just, it's, there's no mystery to it. You just... Well, the minute we got station, yeah. I then said, you know what, we could, we could make a station, and we could do that. Yeah. And then all the songs can be different stations. Oh, so that So was... we decided to sort of bring it back in there. The concept thing came later. Oh, you're like, it is a concept record after all. It is. <laughs> The return of the concept record. Well, you, but the, there was a lot of records you did like that were sort of had these like the, the like the second side of Abbey Road, and then there, it seems like there was some stuff with Wings that had long pieces that have several different songs within them. Yeah, and and that I don't know if that's a concept record, but that I seem it's sort of unique to you. It seems like is one of the, you were the first guy to really do that. I'm not sure I was. I think there were a couple of people in England doing that. There was a thing, a ballad of a teenage opera. Mm -hmm. And this guy had a little hit with it. And he was kind of operatic. He had little episodes. I think that's my, maybe where that idea came from. And Townsend picked it up. Yeah. And he did some stuff, quadrophenia and stuff. He started to get a bit like that. But it's a form I've always liked. Yeah. Because it's fun to do. Yeah, and you've got to figure out how to get from this to this, and we did it with the Beatles. And the what about like musical theater? It seems like there's so many songs, and I think it's getting back to this the kids thing that have a sort of there. There's there you, you write them theatrically, and they have a sort of jaunt to them that seems almost like they could be in musicals. Was that something that influenced you ever? Uh, no, not really. But I know what you mean. I'd listened to some of the things on the album. The, the uh, a track uh, called Despite Repeated Warnings. Yeah. That is something that you could almost see the cast of Les Mis yeah. doing kind yeah. of thing. It, it would work, I think. As but just a, in general, you never had... But I don't, I don't uh, think of it as that, no. And like, it seems like on this record too, that like there's points when, when people write songs where like, uh, like there's the song, I don't know, or the song happy with you where like, I'm, I'm wondering like, is Paul okay? You know, there's like, you know, I was living a certain nice way and then you came along yeah. and then like, or, or that, you know, you, you're sort of existentially No, I know what you challenged. mean. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that. Because, you know, you, you think about your own stuff. You know, yeah. what, what are people going to think? And I thought that, yeah. but, you know, hey, you know, I'm kind of burying my soul a bit on, I don't know. Um, but then but I it thought, is you. wait a minute. Huh? It is you. 
It is me. me. Yeah. yeah. But then I thought, I mean, you know, yesterday all my trouble seemed so far away. Yeah. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Yeah. That's pretty gloomy. Yeah. But you know, that didn't, nobody thought, is he okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. You I, know, I guess, uh, uh, but I know what you were mean. Were you okay then? I was okay. Okay, good. <laughs> but am I now? I don't know. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Um, no, you know, come on, man. In yeah. the end, yeah. songs. No, I get it's it. a song. Yeah. You know, it's like um, Dickens. Yeah. He's writing about Little Dorrit, yeah. but he's not little. He's not a little girl. No, I know. He's this. a big man with a beard. I, yeah, I, I understand like that. I, I just sometimes when I'm listening to songs and I'm walking into the words, I assume yeah. that the guy who wrote them is going through this stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. That song um, was inspired by a sort of moment that can happen in life. You know, I mean, uh, it's easy to kind of pretend just everything's lovely and hunky-dory, but I don't think anyone, anyone's life is like that. Sure. So, you know, there's always arguments. You know, I've got kids and grandkids. How many grandkids so now? I've got eight grandkids. Wow. Give it up. Yeah. Um, and I had nothing to do with it. But um, you, so, got you know, you got the ball rolling. I did, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, so you know, in families, yeah, there's got to always be a moment where something goes wrong, somebody doesn't agree with you, or whatever. You know, and this was one of those moments. I can't remember what the moment was now, but I was a bit. Uh, and the great thing about songs is you can therapy your way out of it by writing a song. Sure. It's like, it's a really nice aspect of songwriting. And we'd always known that for years. You know, when John's writing, he's a real nowhere man. Yeah. He's talking about himself and uh, how he was feeling. He yeah. was feeling like a nowhere man. But he wasn't a nowhere man. But, but that, by the time he'd written that and we made the record, he felt better. It, it actually, you know. Yes, yeah, I think comedians too. do that too. They do. They talk about the yeah. crappiest things in their life. Oh yeah, they're kind of working through it. Sure, they just drag audiences through their problems. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone laughs at exactly. them. Exactly, it's perfect. <laughs> we yeah. don't care. And you walk away going like, "I better keep these problems." Yeah, <laughs> it no, doesn't really. necessarily. So work you know, through. I don't know where it did come from. That you know, where I was really feeling, I got crows at my window. I got dogs on my door. Right. Um, but but where does it happen? How does it happen for you? What is what is the process of songwriting? Because there's one on there, the one uh, "Do It Now" is almost like a pep talk, like it's, yeah. it's almost motivational. Yeah. Well, "Do It Now" was an expression my dad had. In fact, you know, I, I often think of things he said, and they often get in songs. Yeah. Yeah. I used to say, "Put it there if it weighs a ton." It's just like these old expressions, you yeah. know, people used to say. So I wrote a song called Put It There. Do It Now, he used to say. He used to say, Do It Now, D-I-N. Yeah. Which I always thought was a great name for a record label. Din? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's yeah. a noise. But anyway, so that was it, Do It Now. So I thought, that's a good idea, actually. And do it now, like you say. It's, yeah. uh, it's an advice thing, you know. So I just made it into a song and kind of fictionalized it but kept the idea of do it now while the vision's still clear while you're feeling still here come on do it now the thing is it's not a responsibility so much but as a songwriter you do realize that people are going to listen to this and if you can reach someone with with something good with a good bit of advice Mm -hmm. that's kind of valuable obviously you have to make a good song of it but you know, so so I I do that, and uh, that is one of the fabulous things when you're um, 
someone will come up to me in the street and say something like, you know, my, my, my kid had cancer, but they just listened to Beatles music all the time, and he's recovered. And you go, wow. Yeah. I mean, that was not yeah. a bonus we ever expected, sure. but it sure is fantastic. Well, I think everybody yeah. is, you know, Beatles songs have gotten all of us through something. That's for sure. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just, so uh, I'm, you know, I'm very proud of that, and you, you kind of know that. Yeah. So if I write a new song and it's going that way, I won't resist it. Right. So I think, yeah, this, there could be someone. I mean, there's a song on there called Who Cares? Yeah. Which is about, you know, have you ever been bullied? Right. And I know song. there's millions of people out there who have. So in my mind, I'm thinking of, you know, a teenage girl somewhere who's being cyber bullied. Yeah. And I'm saying, have you ever been hurt by the words people say? And da, 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 da. Yeah. Well, don't worry. Yeah. Who cares what the idiots say? And it, and it comes into a song that you do and you enjoy doing. But yeah, there's there's a message, and you hope it means something to someone and gets them out of yeah a bad period. Makes know? them feel less alone. I think is also Hopefully. a good thing. And there's another song on there that's sort of like a little. It's sort. Of, it's not quite political, but it's just sort of. It's about what's the one about the leader who doesn't know where he's going. The that's despite repeated warnings. Yeah, yeah. despite repeated warnings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's sort of a, 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 a almost hopeful apocalyptic song. <laughs> you know well you know i mean when you read that someone's saying that climate change is a hoax yeah yeah what about those people what has to happen what about those you know it's like and then you're reading about the heat waves everywhere the fires the yeah. floods the, yeah you know you you know i think well i don't think it's a hoax and i think anyone who just blatantly just goes yeah it's a hoax uh hasn't got it right yeah so that's what I was writing about. Sure. So despite repeated warnings, this captain is going to take this boat onto the rocks. Yeah. And, you know, let's try and stop him. Yeah. Well, well we're going to try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's pretty scary. Are you still yeah. vegetarian? Yeah. Yeah? And I always will be. Yeah. People sometimes say to me, don't you miss the odd sausage? Uh-huh. The odd sausage. Oh, I don't. I mean, I hate to tell you, these days there's really good... Every, right, you've seen all the advances in vegetarian yeah. cuisine. That must have been. We exciting. were part of it, man. <laughs> no, it's true. We were because yeah. we were. I was started being vegetarian. Me and Linda about forty years ago. Yeah, and then you really couldn't get anything. I remember we, we were going up a motorway, a freeway, and they have these stops where you can pull off and get petrol and food. And we pulled in. It was a ham sandwich and a this sandwich yeah. and a bologna. Yeah, there was nothing. We said, "There's nothing. Wouldn't it be great?" If there was like a veggie option or something, we could get. Yeah. So that started us thinking about it. and You're at the cutting edge. Cutting edge. And now you can go, like there's a fancy restaurant, the yeah. Crossroads, where you can get like. Crossroads, upscale. yeah. You've been there? There's millions of yeah. them. Yeah. And they're good. That's yeah. the great thing. You know, they taste good. Yeah. Um, so I love it. I feel very good about that. Good. Um, um, here's the other question, and we can kind of wrap it up or move towards that. So what is it about groups? Because it seems like, you know, you did a couple of half, they were solo records, but you like being in a band, don't you? Yeah. Because right? you've been with these guys touring for you know, over 12, like over like 12 years. years. Yeah. 12. What is, like, you, you'd rather have a band than just... Yeah, you know, it's, I think there's something great about the camaraderie, yeah. a team. Yeah. I've always liked that. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just nice to kind of do things with people. I sometimes feel sorry for the solo star, yeah, who's like great and he's very famous, yeah. but he's going back, you know, to his hotel room and there's yeah. like 
Yeah. There's nobody there. Mind you, my band don't live in my hotel room. Right. But you can pat each other on the back. We after. can have, yeah. yeah. We have a lot of fun after the show. We do a nice. thing called the runner where we kind of get off. We get out before our crowd does. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we, t- we hop on a bus and then it's time for a drink, yeah. a little bite. And we talk about things, you know, we, and we yeah. debrief and talk about the show and stuff. And that's great. Yeah. I love that. And when you play, like, when you play the Beatles songs, like, like which ones, like, continually still move you? Um, I think uh, Let It Be. And I think, hey, Jude. Yeah. Um, hey, Jude, the great thing is at the end of it, yeah. you get all these people, and it may be 50,000 people, and it's real sense of community. Yeah. And, you know, in these days when people are, you know, despairing of this and that, I get letters from people who've heard yeah. something or been to a concert. Oh, man, you know, I was feeling so bad, but then I went to the concert. Yeah. Um, and it just is great to, oh. be, to be the kind of, the MC yeah. said, "Now you, no, yeah, yeah, and you just see them all looking at each other. And say, it can be very emotional, you know. I, I love it, and I feel very proud that I kind of come up with that. I remember once with Let It Be, which is the other one. Um, I was doing a song. I was, I was playing it in, in a concert, and I think it was South America. Yeah, and there's this very handsome man in uh, front row, kind of thing." A tall man, and he's standing with this very, he's very dark hair and dark beard. And there's a very beautiful girl with him who kind of was obviously his daughter. And she's looking up to him, and he's looking down at her. And they're digging it, and they're singing, Let it be. I'm singing this, and I'm welling up because yeah. there's his like yeah. real moment uh-huh. of people just, ah. <laughs> It means something. I see, and his, you know, he's relating to his daughter. And I know how important all that is, you know. Yeah. So it's hard to get through the song, <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are great moments. Yeah, and yeah. they still happen. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great talking to you, Paul. Nice one, Mark. Thank you. Very easy, Paul McCartney, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, everyone. Wow, man, what a day, what an hour, what a life I'm living. Paul McCartney, again, his new album is uh, Egypt Station, comes out tomorrow, September 7th. And also, um, if you're not familiar with the Beatles, you might want to you know, pick up, a, I'm not even going to recommend you a record. Just look at the haircuts and decide which era looks good to you, all right? Also, folks, go to WTFPod.com to get your tour dates for me. Uh, you can buy a new t-shirt for you or a gift and you can sign up for WTF Premium to get all 900 plus episodes which has episodes like Keith Richards Bruce Springsteen Neil Young to stay in some generational mode here with musicians but uh, but yeah man yeah wow bucket list shit
Boomer lives. <laughs>